0: Welcome to the Real
1: Talk with Real Fit Pros podcast, where fitness professionals learn to get what they're worth. With over 30 years of combined experience in the fitness industry, Jonathan Loudermilk and Mark the Fitness Ninjas Almanoff share their expertise in helping fit pros work smarter, earn more, and design a business that they love. Learn about effective social media strategies, organic marketing, client acquisition and retention, and whatever other shenanigans John and Mark bring to the table. So without further ado, please
0: enjoy this episode of Real Talk with Real Fit Pros. Welcome to another episode of Real Talk with Real Fit Pros. It's your boy, Jonathan Ladermilk, and I've got my PIC partner in crime, Mark the Fitness Ninja Zalmanoff, and before I pass the baton, I need you to know this is a special... Damn good special episode we put Ooh-wee. together. We're actually live in the studio. We've got a guest that you will not believe that we have in today. But before I relinquish that information, I need you to do something for me. <laughs> do all the things. Hit us with the subscribe. Hit us with the five-star review. Take a snapshot and share it on Instagram. And tag us at Bros so that we can get this in front of more fitness professionals so we can change their lives. And with that being said... Ooh passing it off to mark what's up buddy what's
1: happening man dude i'm so excited y'all y'all know i'm excited about this one <laughs> um so let me give you i'm gonna give you a little background of, of our guests today and then uh i have a, a special way of announcing him that that is so fitting so fitting because of who he is um this guy you, you know what i've known him for probably about three years now right about and I tell you what, when you talk about genuine human beings, I I feel blessed to call this man a friend, to have been able to mentor him. He's a husband. He's a father. He is the hardest worker in the room. He's got like 40 abs. <laughs> he can he he leaps like it, his leaping ability is just insane. But what's what's been really cool is, you know, when I met you, you were transitioning from a corporate gym environment to right. working on your own. Right. And and I didn't really even understand what your life looked like at that time. Like you walked in the gym that I was working at at the time. We're like, Oh, Hey, you're cool. You're cool. You know, right. we kind of <laughs> hit it off and, and just took it from there. But it's been such an honor to watch you grow, to watch you really step into the role that God has provided you yeah. and to watch you use your platform to not only better your life, but to better the lives of people around you. Right. And so, you know, from your journey of of, of finding finding Christ and and finding your passion and and doubling down on everything that you do. It has been such an honor to watch you. I'm so happy to have you Thank here. You. So this guy, he is a fitness coach, if you didn't, couldn't tell that. Uh, he is a professional wrestler. He wrestles for OIWA, which is the Organized International Wrestling Association. He has a podcast called the 13th Floor Mindset Podcast. Um, he's also a rapper and a singer, he's got a couple albums out (laughs) on iTunes, it's really crazy, like when you start thinking about, damn, you just do everything, Um, he's got a book coming out, we'll talk about that in a little bit, I love the title, and uh, he's just an awesome human being to know, so, uh, because he is a wrestler, (laughs) and he is a current champion, so, when you see the videos of this, the highlight clips, you're going to see a wrestling belt sitting in front of this young man because he earned it. So I'm going to give him a, a little <clears throat> a little special announcement. Let me clear my throat here. <laughs> All right, here we go. Hailing from Dallas, Texas, he stands six feet tall, 195 pounds of pure muscle. He is the reigning, defending, O I W A International Heavyweight Champion of the World, Dante. Prime time, smiley. Dante, Dante, Dante. Dante
2: <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> welcome to the show, my man. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, brother. I appreciate everything you said as well, man. You know the feelings mutual, one hundred percent. I
1: love it. I love it. So uh, I know we just told you we always start these things off with story time before we dive in. So what you got for us, man?
2: All right. So obviously being a wrestler, you know, fans are different sometimes. That's for sure. So (laughs) I used to wrestle out in Mineral Wells, Texas. Okay, if you've never been to Mineral Wells, Texas before, there's nothing out there and there's no reason to go to say the least other than when people are wrestling out there. And myself and my tag team partner, my former tag team partner, Ty Wilson, we had just got finished with a match and it was before intermission. We get to intermission and we're at our merch table. And there's this lady that comes up to us and she slips Ty this note. And Ty opens it and we're like, what the hell she slipped us for? And so he opens it and it's her number. And it says, <laughs> hey, I want y'all to call me after the show. And first off, she's mineral wells, Texas. <laughs> <laughs> That was the first question I was going to ask. Uh, yeah. So, first and foremost, regardless, girlfriend, not that, sh- that was not happening. Like, you know what I mean? She There's a few missing teeth and everything up in oh there, you God. know what I'm saying? It was it was that good. But uh, so we just ignored it, right? She, she slipped the note and left. Like, she didn't want anybody to know. So we go on with the night. Night ends after the rest, the second half of the show ends. And we go out to get our stuff. And she comes up to us and she's like, hey, did y'all read the note? And, you know, we weren't going to lie to her. Like, yeah, we read it. So she was like, yeah. She was like, I want both of y'all to come over. We're like, what? She was like, yeah, I want both of y'all to come over. She was like, I want want to have sex with both of y'all at the same time. (laughs) And we're like, oh, (laughs) the fact that she's actually saying this to us like that. We're like, okay, how do we get out of this right now? And then she ends with, she's like, my brother lives at the house too. But he'll be in his room. Mind you, this is a 47-year-old woman. She's invited us over our house for us to tag team her, so to speak. And her brother lives at the same house. <laughs> Welcome to Professional Wrestling, wow. everybody. Wow. Welcome to Professional Wrestling. The best part of that story, she's
0: like, hey, my br- look, I need you to know my brother's here, but it's okay. He's going to be in his room. I know. That's a... <laughs> like, no big deal. We'll put that underneath the rug. Yep. It's no big deal. He's gonna be in the oh, room wait. playing Xbox.
2: Man, like we we were confused all the way, and then the moment she said that, we were like, Jesus Christ, what is going on out here, dude? But that's I mean, that's 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 mineral wells. That's mineral wells in the crack <laughs> bucket. If you've never been out there, there's mineral wells for you, everybody. You're welcome. Like <laughs> all wrapped
1: up in one nice little package. There. We
2: could
0: like call their town like the tag team champion or something after <laughs> dude, that, you know. That oh, was
2: gosh. that was one of the oddest um offers that we had ever had had you know throughout our career because we've had multiple offers he's had some i've had some we've had some over our career but that was by far the oddest thing that has ever happened that we've been asked to do a hundred percent that is amazing the, like and, and the funny thing is the tag team part isn't isn't the bad part right <laughs> what the shit with south instantly was when she said her brother lived with her and he was just in the run of the room.
1: And John, I think you're right. He was probably like, you know,
0: naked in the beanbag, eating Cheetos, playing Xbox. But he could be a referee.
2: (laughs) You know, someone's got to officiate the fight here, you know? I mean... Wow. Mineral Wells, he's probably more than a referee, to be honest with you. (laughs) Well, that's a phenomenal story. Mineral Wells, Texas, everybody. (laughs) Bet you weren't expected that one. <laughs> Man, I tell you what,
1: like every time you know we get guests in and they have good stories, and then another one comes. You are like, oh damn, right? How are you are going to top that, and then we got that. So yeah, there we go. Yep. Oh, yep. Yeah, I love
2: it because y'all heard y'all the, the Tony story when he was on here about the pictures and stuff. Uh, which I've, I've had that before too, <laughs> but that that was by far not the oddest thing I've had happen. <laughs> you know what I mean? You expect we have bodies, people want to see it and stuff like that. But that what happened in Mineral Wells, Texas, four years ago, five years ago. So was by far the oddest situation. I love it. I love it.
1: All right, so let's let's dive in a little bit. Um, your wife just had a baby. Correct. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, I I told you the other day. So I texted Dante and I was like, "Hey, dude, congrats on doing the one thing you always want to do all the time." <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Good job. Good job. Um. So, and you have another daughter who's five. Correct. Correct. How has being a father changed who you are as a as a man?
2: Um, you know, it, it took a little bit Like when I first had Harper I wasn't in church at that time Harper was born in January of 2016 And I didn't even get back into church uh, I wouldn't say get back I didn't get into church until January of 2017 um and when when I was first with her, I mean I was kinda content, man. You know, you it's trial and error, right? As parent it is. They can write, you can read all the books, read all the notes, whatever, online stuff, watch stuff. None of that none of that matters. You know, it's like watching a motivational video. Nothing matters until you start mm, doing the work yeah, and react yeah. on it. You know what I mean? And um so at first, it didn't change me, unfortunately. And, and and I say unfortunately because it took me dislocating my foot later that year in November of 2016 and me kind of getting depressed and my mind really going south with suicidal thoughts and then in turn me getting saved to really realize what life is about um, and not what we do but who we are, you know what I mean? As far as what we do as the wrestlers, as trainers and stuff, that's just stuff that we do, you know what I mean? At the end of the day, we try not to take that home with us when we're the with our kids, or whatever it may be. And it took me, it took that injury for me to really realize mm. that I was more than what I was doing because when I got hurt and wrestling was taken away from me and fitness was taken away from me where I couldn't work out let alone train because I was, I've been training for going on seven and a half years now and so all my income was lost because everything mm. that I was about and who, and you know, what I was wrapped up in who Dante was, was in what I did, not who I was. And I didn't have the mindset that I obviously do now until after that, getting saved and getting to church, taking my business over to CrossFit Templum, and then meeting you, meeting Eric, which in turn, I met Ryan through that, which in turn now, three years later, part of Apex, and now, you know, we're at where we're at with business and books and everything of the sort, Um, so I'll be lying if I said it wasn't a little bit of trial and error, you know what I mean, but now, With the second one, we're off to a great start, you know what I mean? Not only do I have all this stuff that's laying out a legacy for my family, you know what I mean? I'm I'm mentally a lot stronger, let alone physically a lot stronger, let alone spiritually a lot stronger and uh, grounded, so to speak. And uh, so now uh Nora is getting uh, uh, a little bit of a, more a head start in where she's at than Harper did. You know what I mean at that time Harper was around through throughout the transition of all that, you know what I mean? Cuz it's been over the last four, 4 years now since I've been saved. Um but but her first year w- was a wreck, man. I was just kind of all over the place. I was very content with everything that was going on cuz I was one of the top trainers for uh, UBF at uh at uh what 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 company was that at, it was that a fitness connection did you work for ubf before i did perfect there it is <laughs> and right so most of those are in fitness connections i was burning like 250 sessions a month so i was working a lot and getting paid nothing yep. relatively because they're taking <laughs> like 55 60 percent of what you bring in you know what i mean uh-huh. so i was working all that and bringing home you know 2500 2700 a month to where clients found that out and they were like man that's all you get paid and they, they would like start tipping me you know what i mean they're like you need to get more <laughs> to that so they're like Nice. Here, here's 40 extra dollars, Hit 50 extra dollars or what, you know, whatever it may be and all that and uh, so it's just been, it's been a transition man, you know what I mean? But it's been, it's been a worthwhile one because I believe that everything happens for a reason and some stuff in life is just a rite of passage for you to grow through what you go through to have that breakthrough to get to your next, you know what I mean? So between the injury, between uh, me needing to leave UBF and do everything that I did there, going into my own business and stuff, everything was meant to happen. What happened when I was in the music business and why I left that was meant to happen because certain stuff that even happened back then when I left music still is with me today and the reason I focus on different things than I did back then because I learned from those mistakes that I made back then and uh, so you know it's all about when well, you know when, when a mistake is made or when something needs to be changed uh, and you know what it is because it's not a blind spot anymore once it's pointed out by yourself or let alone somebody else that's like hey this is a blind spot there's something you need to work on there's something you need to fix I've realized you've been doing this at that point it's up to us to make the action on it you know what i mean and if we don't if said thing happens again it's only our fault mm. you know what i mean yep. you can't blame anybody else because it's not like it's a blind spot anymore because now it's been pointed out so what's pointed out isn't blind it's in front of you now and um and so it's just been a lot of that man so it's, it's been a journey but a but a definite worthwhile journey and we're steadily going up that's uh
1: there's a lot to unpack there so number one I feel bad for most first kids because that's the same experience most parents have. You're like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Uh, right. We're just going to kind of wing this. And then you have the second one. You're like, oh, well, I'm a little bit smarter now. And right. the second kid gets all the good <laughs> shit, right? And the first one's like, why did I get left in the closet with Cheerios? Like, that wasn't cool. And, you, and we wonder why the, they're traumatized, yeah. right? It's like your first
0: training client versus your 50th or your Right. 100th, you know, going to get a little right. bit better version. That first one, God bless you, you were my baby. The test right i real. got you covered though
1: <laughs> so i i know a little bit of this you know your your ankle injury was was really a a huge pivotal moment in your life yes talk us through what happened like how okay. it happened where it happened right and and how this how that really truly just shifted your life in the direction that you're in now
2: yeah, so um, I was training a basketball client. Been a basketball player my whole life up until the point of my injury. That's what I stopped playing basketball. But I was training one of my clients that I had. He was a, he was a young kid. He wanted he hired, his dad hired me to do like skills training with him at the gym uh, when I, when I was at uh, Fitness Connection at that time working for UBF. And, uh, you know, we were just in there doing like some rebounding drills. We were doing like some dunk drills. I was kind of teaching them, this is how you hold this, this is how you hold that. I've been dunking since the eighth grade, have had zero problems on my landings, ever. Never landed awkwardly, always landed perfect. And this one time when I showed him one, I went up with a tomahawk one and I came down And what, and what the orthopedic surgeon said was that being that I didn't slip on anything, and I because somebody had the video of of when it happened too. I, I don't have it anymore, but somebody back then had it. I landed perfectly, but he said I landed so hard and me being flat-footed, it sent such a shock to my joints mm. and weakened them just enough in that moment where I sub where I suffered a subtalar joint dislocation is what it is, and it's pretty much where the, that bottom of your foot shifts in, you know, because Dak Prescott actually suffered the same thing, yeah. but his was to the outside, which is why and his took longer to heal because he had all them breaks with the direction that it went because our ankle going to the outside is not natural. Going to the inside, a little bit more natural. So I just had the dislocation and a small fracture. Um, and it took two adjustments for them to fix. They thought they were going to have to do surgery because the, uh, the ER doctor that was there that night, because I had to go be taken by ambulance and everything. It was a whole mess. And uh, <laughs> it was, man. And uh, the ER doctor that was at the hospital that night said that he couldn't get it all the way there because he adjusted it. They did the x-rays again, and it still wasn't all the way in the position that it needed to be in. So he had to call the orthopedic surgeon because they're like, if we can't get it all the way where it needs to be, we're going to have to have surgery on it like now. And uh, luckily when the orthopedic surgeon got there and he adjusted it, it was just enough it was just good enough um to where I wouldn't have any major problems as time went on without having surgery um and my dad's always told me like if you don't need to be cut open like don't let them cut you open if Ain't it's something that, that can kind of heal you know like you might lose mobility this and that just a little bit but he's you know just don't let them cut you open unless it's like a last resort mm. um and so since he said you know that it was pretty much going to be what it was before, relatively, minus a little bit mobility, which obviously the, all the scar tissue that built up down there, I don't have the greatest mobility on my left uh, side as I do my right side, but I have enough for what I need to do with everything, you know what I mean? I don't have a problem squatting ass to grass or anything like that, you know. Um, so that happened, man. They told me I was going to be out six to eight months. Uh, I told him that was a lie because I'm not <laughs> going to do your rehab because uh, my, my thought process going into it was if they were going to have me do their rehab, they were going to have me do twice a week going to the rehab clinic or something like that, let alone now I'm having to pay every time. When I'm like, look, i am been a fitness trainer for three, four years at that point that it happened. I was like, nobody's going to be harder on me to come back. Uh, To be able to wrestle To be able to train And all this stuff Then I will myself And you all y'all are gonna do Is to have me in here Pushing, pulling my ankle Doing band work Like I know how this goes I've been injured before Not that major of an injury But I've been injured before So I know how this works And so I told him I was going to do my own rehab Which I did So even when I got back to working And I was on one of them Little scooter joints Where I (laughs) wore Rolling around the gym One of them single leg scooters Like as I was training clients I would literally sit down Once I was out the hard cast Cause I was in a hard cast For about a month and a half um, once I got out the hard cast and was able to move it like every single day, push pulling, I was not easy on myself. It hurt. But once again, if I wanted to come back in less than six, eight months, that's what it was going to take. It was going to take me doing that stuff every single day. And I ended up coming back at about three and a half months, fully wrestling, fully training, fully jumping, fully lifting and all that kind of stuff. But by that point that happened, and just, so that was in November when the injury happened. By the time mid-January happened, when I was still in the cast, um, I, like I said earlier, you know, everything I did was wrapped up in, every, everything about who I was was wrapped up in what I did. So my identity to me was the wrestler, Dante. The trainer, Dante. Yeah. It wasn't Dante, who is a wrestler Dante, who is a trainer, you know, the roles Were opposite, and so I started Getting really depressed when I was out, cause I Wasn't able to provide, and I was the type of person Where I've always, you know, if I'm gonna have a wife And a kid, as a man, you know what I mean I wanna be able to provide, so I felt worthless as shit To be completely honest, is what it came Down to, I felt like there was no value in me I was hurting the family more than Helping, and uh, it got To the point where I got, like, very, like Suicidal thinking, and, and the depression And, like, uh, manic depression Disorder kind of bipolar runs in the family Like I've never been diagnosed with it But uh, my closest family members My mom, my brother They all kind of have gone through it You know what I mean and uh, so this is the first time where I'm really like having like genuine depression to where I'm really having these suicidal thoughts and, um, and there was one day where it was it was at its worst and uh, yeah, I used to be addicted to pain pills back when I was in college because I used to take like a whole bunch of party drugs and when I was in the music business and all that kind of stuff but I got off all that so I hadn't had pills by that point in like years or anything but what's the first thing doctors do? Good old big farmer take some drugs you, <laughs> right. know, you know what I'm saying and so that and and of course, you with an injury like that, they're going to give you the good stuff, which I avoided taking for a while until I started getting depressed. Then it was like, let me take these to get my mind off of it. Like what a lot of people take drugs for is to get their mind off of what they have to deal with in the real world and stuff. Not many people are just doing drinking or smoking or doing whatever, literally just to like chill out. You know what I mean? A lot of majority of people take drugs to cope with something, you yeah. know, and um and so I avoided pills, all that kind of stuff for a long time. And then one day, like I say, I was kind of at my worst. And then I started taking them again. Then I started doing other stuff again. Then I started taking more pills until I was, now, now it's just dragging me down. So now I'm at my lowest. And now the suicidal thoughts Were there And there was one day When Sabrina was gone I was like I'm done Like I'm nothing but A burden to everybody As of right now You know what I mean And then, to me at that point There was no end in sight You know Sabrina Had been trying to help me Sabrina's my wife And uh, you know She had been trying to help me And all that She suggested I go Talk to somebody Go talk to a therapist Or something like that Me being man I was like no Especially you know And and and, and honestly Like straight up in, in, in the black culture A lot of black people Just don't go to therapists You know you know I mean because it's just not a common thing in the inner city for us to go to therapists it's like we're gonna handle our own like we always have you know what I mean and that's kind of the mindset I was in then you know what I mean if I was having problems now I'm like yes please somebody talk to me please we're not here (laughs) you know what I mean but back then I wasn't where I was at today and um so I'm sitting in the closet with Uh, some pills and a knife, having these thoughts. And I remember before doing anything, I just looked up and I was like, if there there is a God, I need you to show me right now. Literally said that out loud while I'm sitting in my closet floor crying, ready to commit suicide. And in that instance that I said that, I literally felt the most calming, cool feeling Mm -hmm. come over my body. Nothing I had ever felt before. And uh, so, and and I'm a person, it was one of the first times where I was like, I got to take this as a sign. Like, you know, most of the time we ignore signs, right? We ignore the green lights that we get in life for one way or another and I was and me saying that and feeling it instantly after it right after I said now I knew that was a sign so I didn't do anything left the closet Sabrina got home like 10-15 minutes later I kind of told her where I was at what I was getting to do and she just looks at me and she's like well I've tried to help you Friends have tried to help you that you talk to. You won't go to a therapist. She and she was just like, you need to figure out what you need to do to help yourself if that's the case. And that was the best thing she could have ever said to me. You need to figure out what you need to do to help yourself. You, 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 know. And um, later that day, I was looking through my wallet, and I had an invite card from Elevate Life Church and uh, that a client had given me two or three years prior. Oh, and, wow. I, and and it was funny is I'm habitually known for like cleaning out my wallet. Like if it's not debit cards, the cash and my ID, like <laughs> typically I don't want it in my wallet to be a hundred percent. And I always clean my wallet out, but somehow that card lasted all these years through all the cleanings. And, uh, so I was like, you know, well, maybe we should go to church. You know, that's something I hadn't been in since I was a knee high kid. And, um, and she was like, all right. She was like, let's try it. You know, she grew up in church. She only wasn't going probably because I wasn't going, right. as is typical when a man's not going to church and their woman has. It's kind of typical for the woman just to kind of follow the man if he doesn't want to go type deal. And uh, that's all that was because she was fully raised in church until she started dating me in college. We started dating in 2008. And we're talking now, this is going on in 2017 when we're getting ready to go to church. And uh, so that following Sunday, when I had that ep- that last episode was on a Friday that next Sunday, two days later, on January 29th of 2017, we went to ELC, and there was uh, Pastor Josh, who was Keith Craft's son, he was preaching that day, and he was preaching about growth and growing through mindset, and that day, it was the start of the year, and he does the word of the year every year, Pastor Keith does, and the year the word of the year that year was grow, and the quote was, when you grow through what you go through, you create breakthrough." And when I heard that over and over and over on this Sunday that changed my life. I'm in church crying. Sabrina just has her hand on my leg, you know, like it's gonna be okay. And uh, at the end of the service, as most services, uh, you know, he did the uh, prayer of salvation at the end for anybody that wants to receive Christ as their Lord and Savior, so on and so forth. And you know, I, I said I said the prayer, I went and talked to a pastor afterwards, and haven't missed the dead church since. Even when I travel, I watch it on my phone, you know what I mean? I make sure I'm very intentional about staying in tune with making sure I need that. And, And a lot of, you know, a lot of people that I met early at ELC when I first started going there have uh, come some have come and gone. A lot of people still there. And, you know, and the one thing it's weird because I've wanted to go just try new churches with friends and stuff or whatever it may be. But I'm like, man, I, I feel like just what what that church has done for me with where I was then right. and the alignments that I've made because of that church. And because mm-hmm. I wouldn't have found Eric's gym if it wasn't for me knowing the words of the year. Cause when I found the gym on Facebook, the picture for CrossFit Templum was a picture of one of the words of the year from the banners. Yeah, on the and banners. I, I'm like, I'm like, man, I'm like, this, this dude must go to ELC, And that's literally the only reason I messaged him. I was like alignments, right? He goes to the same church as I do. Maybe we'll click. And lo and behold, now I've been there going on three of that. It'll be three, three going on three and a half years now, you know? And, um, and so, yeah, it's, it's, just, it's just been a journey, bro. Like, after I got saved, like I said, I never looked back pressed in daily and I mean the work gets harder afterwards it ain't like anything was set in stone (laughs) then it gets harder because now you gotta be intentional about the things you need to change because now you understand that you can't just go through the motions you know what I mean we we were created by design so we gotta live by design also and that was something that I had to really figure out as I was going through this process and like I say luckily I did figure it out and we're steadily grinding it out you know taking everything day at a time steadily working steadily growing steadily invested in myself and on, on multiple accounts and uh now we're here you know on the the fit pros collective podcast you know what I mean
0: (laughs) Dante I want to thank you for sharing that man like I don't know have you guys ever read the book um the peaceful warrior by Dan Millman I have not you you need to read that book because you are the living fucking representation of that story so basically I I don't want to take away from what we're talking about you but basically the gist of the story is this gymnast who was a master we did in college um ended up uh, injuring himself where he couldn't compete anymore, so he was like, "Who am I now?" Right. And he got this mentor that walked him through, going, "No, being a gymnast isn't who you are. It's just what you do." Right. And then he gets deeper, and then the the mentor's like, he finally let go of, like, "Okay, I don't have to be a gymnast." And he's like, "Now you're gonna go be a fucking gymnast again." <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, "What? I just let go of right. that." So then he goes back, and he basically go read that
2: book. Um, your life story is that. So yeah. I just want to thank you for sharing that, man. Yeah. That's awesome. And, and you know, like to to pick. I'm actually glad you said that. So to piggyback off of that, right? So we go through that situation of finding out who we are at the core. Right. And, and 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 who we are is not what we do on the on the outside in these streets, so to speak. And uh, so now with especially with something like wrestling, you see all these wrestlers that are out there that are doing it in the 50s, like they've 60, 70, like they just can't let it go because yeah. they are that. You know what I mean? They have no idea who they really are other than being the wrestler that they've always been from the 80s, the 70s, the 60s, whatever it may be. And even still today's time with the, how the independent circuit is and uh, even the mainstream circuit. Cause I've been on AEW a couple times as well. Like even up there, a lot of wrestlers have no idea what they're going to do after wrestling. You know, if I wanted to quit wrestling, if I said I'm tired of it, I want to make sure I save my body, I want to be with my kids, I just want to focus on my businesses, I could literally do that right now and be completely satisfied Mm -hmm. with my decision. Because I I know ultimately All this is a rite of passage I love doing this And I'm going to do it Until I don't want to You know what I mean The one thing I've always said Is I'm not going to make wrestling uh, I'm not going to let wrestling Make me quit wrestling Meaning I'm not going to let it Beat my body down I'm going to leave Relatively like While I'm on top You see all the most Successful wrestlers Have left while they were on top And just got out While the good was still going You know what I mean And that's exactly What I want to do Because there's so much more To life that I have found That I want to do You know what I mean When it comes to telling people these stories because there's a lot of people in different areas of uh, business, entertainment, life, that need stories like this because they feel who they are is in what they're doing. And if they lose that or if it goes south, then they're going too, just like I did at that first time. If we don't have people out there sharing these testimonies or that they can listen to that are like, man, he's been through that, then I know I can make it. Because that's a big thing. Even with like my podcast, I always say that I would never talk about anything that I haven't been through or somebody I personally know hasn't told me that they've gone through. So nobody can ever say, oh, he's talking, what does he know? You know what I mean? Because I've been through it. My best friend has been through My man John has been through whatever it may be. You know what I'm saying? So everything is a factual thing, and I never speak on anything that I haven't been through or been associated with where somebody else has uh, because that's important. People need to know and be vulnerable enough to share those stories. That way other people can grow and be helped, and I think ultimately that's where somebody like myself is going to come in. Uh, Especially with like a younger community of people of dreamers, so to speak, because the entertainment is big overall from musicians to actors to people that want to be in wrestling to, you know, whatever it may be. And uh, with that is going to come a lot of ass kicking and once you do it for so long you know what I mean you, you it's easy to get wrapped up in that is who you are oh, and all you, all you feel like you're known as but I'm a living testament that that's not the case you know what I mean and I feel like my voice is going to be ultimately what carries me down the line with a lot of stuff that I do and everything that I'm doing kind of right now with the wrestling with the music it's all a rite of passage I love doing all this you know what I mean but I think it's a rite of passage more so for my next and where I'm going in the next, you know, 5 years or so.
0: Well, you found your purpose, and that just sounds like those are just multiple vehicles. Right. You've created me and Mark talk about that all the freaking time of, like, not typecasting yourself. and Like, well, here's what I do, and if I don't have that, then I'm lost. Right. It's, you know, what's your purpose? What are you really trying to do? And then, okay, cool, the vehicle becomes easy then. Right. You know, they're just different channels for you to, to shine your light like you are right. today, man. So, Mark, if you want to expound yeah, on that. Yeah, I mean, that. you
1: know, and it's hard because one of the first things we ask anybody when we meet them is, oh, what do you do? Right. I mean, that's the, the first words out of our mouth. And I don't know where that got ingrained in the way that we greet people, but we always want to know what people do because what happens is as soon as you tell me what you do, I start putting you in some category in right. my head, right. some arbitrary, oh, you're a janitor, you know, right. Or, right. Or, right. Or, or, oh, you're a CEO. You know, we, we just, we, we start judging people and right. just, it's not good or bad, but we do it. And, and it's hard to get out of that mold. And and again, just something I love about you, Dante is, is owning your individuality and understanding that you are the vehicle, right? Right. You're the vehicle and whatever aligns with, you know, we talk about core values all the time. Like when things align with your core values, you can go that route. And if they don't, you're going to regret if you do. If you go down that route and it doesn't align, you're going to regret it. At right. some point, you're going to hate it. Right? Like you may be great at wrestling, but if it wasn't something that really aligned with your overall mission, and your platform, and your ability to get in front of people, you shouldn't be doing it. Right? But thankfully, it does, and we get to see you like jump six feet. In <laughs> I yeah, swear man. to God, see like, me surf on human beings and stuff. <laughs> I'm gonna start calling you
2: e. Miles Morales, man. Like Spider Man over is here. Insane.
1: I sh- you. You'll post clips, and I'll show my wife. And I'll be like, look at this. She, and she just shakes her head. Yeah. She's like, it's just, how is that even real? Like, I don't even know how it's real. Um, so so we'll, we'll lighten this up a little bit. Um, <laughs> where did your passion for wrestling come from? Like, wh- where did that originate? And, and how did you decide that not only did you like it, but that right. you were actually going to go pursue it? <laughs>
2: So, my passion for it comes from my dad. Like, I mean, at my youngest age, I remember my dad having WWE on, you know what I mean? And relatively started about the attitude era when I was like six years old of the East. So, I would have been, we're talking 94 ish, 95 ish, you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? And uh, so him always having it on That's just kind of How I fell in love with it Then there's this guy Named The Rock That came on the screen And I was like This is the coolest dude ever This dude got the Versace (laughs) shirts And the glasses And he could do his eyebrow like that I used to try to tape my eyebrow up And stuff like that Because I cannot do it at all Still to this day You know I did all that stuff man I had the little wrestling figures I had about a hundred of them bro Like for the longest time man So I mean from an early age It was there I've kind of I've always watched My whole life There's a downtime in college Where I didn't watch for a little bit um, Just obviously Just being busy With fraternity life And college life And all that cool stuff And then um, I started wrestling In 2014 uh, before I became a wrestler Myself and Ty Wilson Had a podcast It was a, it was like a video podcast On a site called Deep Elm On Air uh, So anytime we were on It was actually live Where people go to Deep And then they'll watch it While we're you know there We actually had to go To the studio out In Deep Ellum to To shoot it And you know Rent out the booth And all that kind of stuff And there was one day Where Ty and I were on And I was like Man have you ever thought About trying to become a wrestler He was like No nah, man I've never thought about it He was like What about you I was like No nah, man me neither and I was like Let's look it up when we get done, you know what I mean? (laughs) And uh, so we looked it up afterwards and uh, like, you know, just Googling, typed in, you know, uh, pro wrestling schools in Dallas, you know, and only one came up, which is uh, Metroplex Wrestling, MPX. And uh, at that time, obviously now there's a lot, but at that time only MPX came up. And uh, so I was like, man, let me hit him up on Facebook. So I get on Facebook, I'm like, hey, you know, we were on this, you know, this vlog, this video podcast and we want to come out to do photography and videography, do some interviews, do you mind? And he was like, No man, of course. You know, it's publicity. You didn't have to pay us to do anything. We we're like, we just want to do it. So we got to go to the event. We did the photography for him did some interviews, all that kind of stuff for the website. Then a lot of a lot of wrestling promotions will go out to like eat or drink afterwards and stuff, you know, just to relax from the night and drink some of the pain away and whatnot. <laughs> and um so we went out with the wrestlers afterwards that night, you know, because we, we hit it off with them through the interviews, and they just appreciated what we were doing while we were there because it's not often that people are like, hey, let's, can we come do some free publicity for you? And uh, so we're out drinking, having a good time, and, you know, everybody's sitting down with us. Hey, have you thought about becoming a wrestler before? Y'all got some decent figures. I was like 165 pounds in, like, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, they're like, yeah, you got some decent figures. Yeah, you know, we do this, we do that, we do this, we do that. Like, we have about five people five or six different people come up the last person that came up to us was this chick named ruthless Lala. ruthless lala one of the realest chicks still today in wrestling that i've ever met like and, and the reason she clicked with us is because she wasn't trying to sell us you know what i mean when she was when she was pitching the school that we should go to it wasn't a sales pitch you know what i mean like everybody else it seemed like a sales pitch right. and you know and uh, so she was like don't listen to anything they say She was like Here's a number to this guy Named Anthony Black He runs a promotion called BTW You know If you go train with him He's gonna train you right He's not gonna just try to take your money Or run you out the business The effort that you put in Is what you get out of it with him And I'm like Okay This sounds like something That's a little bit more aligned With you know what, what we're trying to do And so I got online Messaged Tony Called him Blew up his phone Blew up his Facebook I'm like Hey Can we come out We wanna you know Try this wrestling stuff out." He's like Yeah come out on Monday here's my address I'm like okay how much does it cost don't worry about that just come out on Monday here's my address <laughs> I'm like, all right, you know, so we go out there, man, that first day, it's all the rope running, all the bumps, all the rope running, all the bumps, bruises all across my back, but at night, and I went back that next day, repeated everything, yeah. went back that next day, repeated everything, and literally, I was out there about six out of seven days out of the week, you know, when I first started, we obviously didn't have Harper, because this is in 2014, and uh, so we're out there six days a week, literally to the point where, like, I'm staying at his house, you know what I mean, to, <laughs> to go to training the next day, like, we were putting in the work so much that we were making people quit like some of the other trainees we were getting so much attention because we were there so much put in the work other people were like well i'm not getting attention when i'm there so i'm gonna go somewhere else ty and i were like cool please do because that's just more work that we get now you know and um and so we started training, man. We had our first match about six months uh, into training, uh, and uh, which is very rare. Typically, it takes about a year, year and a half before people will start having actual matches on shows in front of a live crowd outside of practice masters. But we had put in triple time to work that most had, that's why Tony was like, y'all are ready. He was like, "Now nah, just kinda learning the psychology aspect of what we do. Right. He was like, but skill-wise, this wise knowing what you're doing, so to speak-wise, y'all are ready. And so he threw us with the wolves, and me and Ty, you know, we had our first three matches against each other. First match, he kinda let us do what he, we wanted to, and he was like, okay, match didn't make sense, look good, <laughs> didn't make sense psychology-wise, so now that y'all have had y'all fun, let's take a step back and teach y'all how to, you know, formulate these matches properly to tell the story that that you're trying to tell in the ring. And so second match was better, third match was better, and then we became a tag team, actually, after the third match and we were a tag up until about a year and a half ago when uh, both of us kind of decided that we had done a lot as a tag team because we had won – about eight or nine different sets of tag team titles over at that point. About a five and a half year career, which is very rare for wrestlers to win that many titles. In, you know, in the independence over in such a short span. But that's how much value we brought to all the places that we were working, and we just did good business. Where a lot of uh, there's a lot of people out there that just don't do good business. But luckily, we were the ones that were taught right. We were trained right by Tony and by uh, a guy named Lou Stared Lamont Williams, oh, yeah. who also who also trained us at one point. In Time and uh, you know, so shout out to both of them, and uh, they did it right, you know what I mean. And we we learned a lot, learned a lot of good stuff, and then you know, now, now we're here doing what we're doing. I got a nice little contract with the OIWA, been on AW a couple of times, which is a blessing in itself. You know, just going from some podcasters to now is is, is fun, man. I love it,
1: <laughs> and, and I don't, I don't, I've rarely talked about this, but you guys probably know, like, I fucking loved wrestling when I was younger. Mm -hmm. And, like, my sister and I used to go to everything that came through. Like, I've been to WrestleMania before. My sister's still
2: about it. Yeah, my my sister still loves it. (laughs) Um,
1: Like, I saw the Von Erics at the Sportatorium when I was, like, five years old. So, like – it's this this shit may not be interesting to y'all but I I fucking love
2: it. So Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Like the, the Rock and Stone Colds would got me man. Like the Rock being a bad guy was like the coolest character. I loved it. Like the corporate I like the corporate Rock. The
2: corporate Rock was good. You just <laughs> a
0: bad dude, man, dropping the corporate elbow and yeah. Vinnie Matt coming out there like everyone hated him. I was like, "Let's go!" Like just fired me up, man. And oh, wow. uh you know, it's funny how close fitness and wrestling is like um, I've told this story with Mark a few times. Like, I worked at this one company called The Rush, and we did, like, themed closeouts. Right. And we used to do... uh, Russia Mania. Yeah. As one of the themes where we'd all dress up as wrestlers and I dressed up as Kurt Angle because I lost all my hair. So yeah. I'm gonna be dude Easy, right? You know, I was like, it's true, it's true. Yeah. You know, so like it was Poor so milk fun. on your face and stuff. Pretty much, <laughs> like, yeah. man. And um it was cool to have like the atmosphere of the gym and the gym members were like, What the fuck's going on? Yeah, like it's Russia Mania, baby, and like just the atmosphere that it created. So yeah. you know Let me tell you something, brother. That part, yeah. right? Like my ops manager dressed up as whole Coke, he actually looked like him too. Yeah. Like I was straight up. <laughs> built had the handlebar like yeah. it was insane man so it's cool like you melded the two yeah
2: I love, 100%. It. I love it
1: you know so it's it's fun to watch this evolution of your of your career so let's talk a little bit about the book okay um you're in our apex fam and yep. we are all highly encouraged to write a book right um so talk about the inspiration behind the book the title of
2: it what your timeline is and uh all right, so the inspiration behind it is obviously seeing everybody write books, right? We get inspired <laughs> by those. <laughs> like, yep. like, it's like, I saw you were writing one, Drooby had come out with his at that time, and you know, all that kind of stuff. And uh, so after I joined Apex, I was up here for a little podcast with Tyler at one point in time, and then we went to Drooby's office because I just want to, you know, chat with him and stuff. And, uh, you know, we were just talking, and he looked at me. He said, so um, when's the book coming out? I said, oh, you know, I'll do it, you know, once, the, you know, down the line. He was like, there is no right time to write a book. He was like there's no right time for anything. He was yeah. like, bro, he was like you have the story. He was like I've heard part of your story and that was enough to write a book on, you know what I mean? He was like you have the story so there's no reason to wait. And so literally a week later I had my book recorded, got it transcribed. You know, we get in the fixings. He linked me up with April, and yep. now April's editing my stuff. You know what I mean? And we're gonna try to have it out by, uh, you know, have the book out by hopefully by the end of the summer at the latest and stuff. Because she's flying through the editing and stuff. Because I actually went to school for for English creative writing and things like that. Oh, so even nice. before even before I sent her my tra- my the transcriptions, I went through and spent literally probably a total of about sixteen hours myself going through and fixing stuff and editing stuff from the transcriptions and all that kind of stuff to make it even easier for her. You know what I mean? That way she wouldn't have to do as much uh, whenever I send it to her, where some people might get it transcribed and be like, all right, whatever's in there is yours. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> and um, so, I, so I, I gave it a little bit of TLC to make sure things were where I wanted to, how, you know, I talked about what I wanted to format it in a certain type of way and you know, all that kind of good stuff. And uh, the book title is called becoming Unfuckwittable. <laughs> mm, 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 I love it. mm. it's, it's called Becoming Unfuckwittable. It's kind of how to go from a victim mindset to what I consider. And, you know, has started coining uh, a 13th floor mindset, to elevate your life, elevate your legacy, and so on and so forth. And uh, and that's exactly what it's going to be out. So, you know, like, overall, we get in the short scale of my story. You know what I mean? In the book, I go a lot deeper and, and the stories that I tell and tell specific stories that got a specific lesson at the end and some quotables, so to speak For people to get out of it, you know what I mean uh, And I didn't hold back in it either Like at all A lot of people sometimes when those kind of self-help, self-development books Will sometimes hold back just a little bit And I'm so vulnerable at this point It does me no good to hold anything back Because everything's in the past that I talk about for the most part You know what I mean So if we're all here now and all good who cares about what happened then? Regardless of how bad it was, regardless, childhood, middle school, high school, college, all the dumb stuff, all the bad stuff that I saw. Who gives a shit at this point? Because it is the past. And it's what got us here to today. So I'm not ashamed of any of that. I don't have any anger towards any of that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? That's why I put it out there because uh, somebody else might be in a mode where it's 15 right. years later and they're still holding on to some hurt from yeah. some stuff their mom or dad did or their brother did or a friend did, you know, back then and, you know, so on and so forth. And uh, and that's stuff that everybody could go through, you know what I mean? And, I, and that's kind of where like I said, what I call the 13th floor mindset comes from. Because as y'all know, whenever we have typically the Apex meeting on the other side of this building that we're in, that's the floor that the meetings are on. Yep. And yep. most mm-hmm. buildings don't have a 13th floor. Hotels don't have thirteenth floors and majority of buildings don't because it's like the unlucky number. So I coined the 13th floor as a lucky number. I'm f- try to flip the script on what the number 13 means because it's, it, is, it has elevated me. And there's so much has happened to me by being in that room and being challenged by that those individuals in that room when we have our apex meeting I was like I want to pay homage to the thought process that goes down in this room you know what I mean the views that we see when we look out of those mm-hmm. windows yep. in there and you, it's literally overlooking all of Addison all of this part of Dallas Metroplex and you're literally looking at the top of buildings looking at cars that look like ants down there you know what I mean so between the views between the between the alignments that are in there between the mindset elevation that goes down in there and the challenges and stuff that's what that the 13th floor mindset is to me and why I coined it like this 13th floor is because how we speak and what we do and what we're about in that room now correlates to a lot of the ways that I think and what I do from what goes down in there and the talks that I've had with guys like y'all, obviously Chris, obviously Ryan, obviously Drew and Thomas and other coaches and people that are just part of the group that have greatly inspired me. And and I'll never be inspired and motivated in vain. And what I mean by that is you'll never inspire me and motivate me by doing something without me. Attempting to do it also, like if you believe in me on something, I'm gonna try to do it. Just like with Drewby saying, "When's the book coming out?" It it didn't take me long to react. I yeah. reacted. Then I think I reacted a little bit faster than he even probably expected because <laughs> I was knocking stuff out, getting it done. You know what I mean? He's like, "All right." He was like, "Now you need to create a website." I was like, "Okay, time to sign up for phone sites." Here we go. Now my phone sites is created. I sent it to you, and then I yeah. sent it to him and made some corrections. He was like, "You need a bio." I was like, "The moment I get done with this client, it's gonna be done." Finished with the client, got it done. I was like, "Check this out." Is it good? He was like, yeah, perfect. Like, I don't I don't wait on stuff. You know what I mean? You tell me to do something, you're only going to have to tell me once, and I'm going to knock it out. You know what I mean? If, it, if it, I feel like it's going to be beneficial and I need to do it, which I wouldn't be asking, nor would any of y'all be suggesting for me to do anything if it wasn't going to benefit. That's why I never argue anything. I say, yes, sir, thank you. Thank you for making me better. And then I go do it out of respect and out of the gratefulness of, you know, what's being passed down to me.
1: Mm. If y'all aren't ready to drop an elbow off a turnbuckle right now, I don't, I don't, know.
2: <laughs> I don't know what the hell you're listening
1: to because I'm I'm fucking fired up. Yeah. <laughs> and, and again, you know something else that I've just always respected about you is you're an action taker, right? And and not only that, but you know when you decide to do something, you just go, right? You know we we what do we say? Uh, you know shoot, ready, aim, like right? It's just fire it off, and then we'll figure it out the rest <laughs> later on, right? Um, all right, so as we as we start to wrap this thing up a little bit, um, I have a couple more fun questions for you. Indeed. So you can answer in detail or as quickly as you care to. Who
2: was your favorite cartoon character as a kid? Ooh, favorite... Co- I think Johnny Bravo, dog. <laughs> All Look, right. I, I, lo- I, <laughs> I loved Johnny Bravo, bro. Even though my man got turned down right? every scene, he could not... Pool, if his life depended <laughs> on Bravo it. Johnny Bravo crushed it in the follow-up though, bro, you know what I'm saying? I mean, he
0: definitely, he
2: definitely did, bro. But I just love Johnny Bravo's swag, and he was fearless, bro. Yeah. Like, he got, all them times he got shut down, which was every single episode, he still attempted. You, yeah. do, you know what I mean? Right? So it's that situation of Johnny Bravo, you know, he he shot every shot. Unfortunately, he missed everyone, but he wouldn't have had the chance had he not taken the shot in the first place. And so I would say Johnny Bravo or maybe Tommy Pickles. I was a big Rugrats fan mm, also. Regrets. I, yeah. I love the Rugrats, and you know you know, I wear a lot of like designer stance socks and stuff all the time. I have a pair of Johnny Bravo socks, that oh, are my okay. favorite pair, and I also have a pair of Tommy Pickle socks, which is my <laughs> second favorite pair. <laughs> I love it. I
1: love it. All right. If you could wrestle anyone in their prime, mm. who would it be? Ric Flair.
2: Period. Period. Ric Flair. I, to, to me, he's arguably... Like, like to me, he's arguably the greatest. I mean, the dude is still out there. He's Which not wrestling, you nuts. know. He's still not wrestling, but he's still in the business doing managerial stuff, behind the stage stuff. And you know, like his his legacy is around, going to be around forever. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, where there's a lot of other great wrestlers that one day are going to be forgot about. Like, like unfortunately, somebody like The Rock. There's gonna there's a generation now that has no idea The Rock was a wrestler because yeah. yeah. he hasn't wrestled. They just know him as Dwayne Johnson, the actor that's been in Jumanji. Dwayne
1: Johnson and The Rock look a lot alike
2: I mean that. for real you know what I mean so <laughs> the, the, and, the, and that's the thing like he left while he was at his prime and early enough to be able to go make a name for himself elsewhere to where he never has to think about wrestling again like they invited if I'm not mistaken I read something where they invited him to WrestleMania he was like I'm too busy sorry love y'all but no right. you know what I mean And uh, but where's Rick Flair Rick Flair is somebody that would have like been "Like, alright I'm there screw this I'm coming back over there because that's just how he is with the business and how he knows his legacy the same thing with some Somebody Like Hulk Hogan but if I could wrestle anybody at their prime 100% it would be Ric Flair because to me he's already he's not my favorite the rock is my favorite but to me Ric Flair is the greatest to ever do it overall from every aspect of wrestling psychology and skill that you need to be a great wrestler you
1: know what's great is you can go to any live event that has any type of a crowd of people and go Woo! And everybody would do people it. People start everybody. doing it. Concerts. Yeah. Doesn't matter what, and, uh, you, what you're doing. Nope. I love it. I love it. And, that, and, and that's a testament to his impact. Right. Not not just in wrestling, but just in, in pop culture overall. Right. Love right. it. All right. Last question. If you had a billboard that you could put a message on for everyone to see, what would be on the billboard?
2: What would be on the billboard would be it, you say this, the message on it? Uh, let's see, because I, I got a few that I typically use. Um, but I mean, I, I would say, I would say the main one would be. Uh, the, well, what I said earlier, when you grow through what you go through, create breakthrough, you know what I mean? Uh, because I think that that suffices for everybody because everybody's going to go, go through something that they have to go through. It, could be on a, it doesn't have to be on a major injury scale or bankruptcy scale or anything like that. It could be something very, very simple as well, but I think it's one of the most universal things ever, you know what I mean? It, it'd be something like that or something that says on the lines of, Say, say yes to your next, you know what I mean? Because I think a lot of, a lot of people have ideas on where they would like to be, whatever they see is their next, but they never actually say yes to it. Mm. It just kind of stays the idea. It stays the what if, and I think more people need to say yes to their next, whatever their next is and their vision, what they're dreaming for, say yes to it and then go do the damn work. I love that. That's awesome. There you go.
1: Uh, So tell the people where can they follow you? Where can they learn more about you? All that good stuff.
2: Right on. So you can hit me up on Facebook, Dante Smiley. You can search the name. Everything will come up. All my other social medias are at Primetime Living. And also have a website now, which is just DanteSmiley.Phonesites.com. And you can find all my stuff on there, from the wrestling to the book stuff to the podcast stuff, motivational speaking stuff, whatever. You can find it all there if you want to see it. Anything about me is on there.
1: And uh, go follow this man. Man, I, I love watching you, dude. It's so great. It's so fun. And and see, and, and I can call you young man because you're like 10 years younger than me. So I'm like, come here, son. <laughs> no, dude, it, you know, thank you so much for coming in here. We really, really appreciate you. it. You know I love you. You're one of my Always. favorite people in this world. And uh, like I said, if you're listening to this, go follow this guy. Make sure you're watching his journey. Listen to the podcast. Get the book when it comes out. Like, yeah. he's just warming up just warming up just getting
0: started oh, wait yeah. till we
2: get good wait till we get good baby
0: <laughs> oh yeah all right john why don't you close us on out buddy and as always be like dante and go get with your work damn it yeah <laughs> damn good show damn good. damn good
1: thank you so much for listening we hope you found value and entertainment in our content. Listen, we love helping fit pros get paid what they're worth, and we have something we would love for you to take advantage of.
0: Absolutely. So go to fitprocollective.com forward slash bootcamp to download our free business bootcamp on taking your training business online. This is no BS sales pitch, this is actual strategies that you can implement right now to move your business forward. Finally, again, if you liked what you
1: heard, please subscribe and review. Let us know what you think. Thanks again for listening to Real Talk with Real Fit Pros, where we help Fit Pros what?
0: Get what they're worth.
1: Yeah.